This podcast was originally the audio for a work of the same name for the Nearly On Red YouTube channel, found at youtube.com slash c slash nearly on red. Though not intended to be a standalone podcast, viewers frequently consume my videos for their audio content only, so I have duplicated my work in this format to hopefully save people a step. A full list of content and platforms can be found at nearlyonred.com or the short link nearly.red, N-E-A-R-L-Y dot R-E-D. Enjoy! Welcome to the Not Quite Daily Show, Summer 2018, Episode 9. Today we are discussing Rayview Starlight through its first half, and so there will be spoilers for Episodes 1 through 6. Now, we are still learning things about our nine main girls, especially focusing on characters besides Karan and Hikari during these middle episodes. That process is not yet complete. However, a pattern emerges around each girl's successes and failures so far, and I want to articulate that pattern. We will talk about three qualities that contribute to their success, and in fact contribute to the success of any kind of competitor. We will examine how a lack in one of these three qualities characterizes several of the girls, and how most change or make peace with this aspect of themselves. Finally, we will talk about the ways the girls are grouped together, and how these groupings reflect this pattern under discussion. So there are three primary qualities that have a bearing on success in any kind of competition. These three are desire, effort, and talent. Talent is one's natural capacity for the activity. It creates both a ceiling and a floor for one's success. Enough talent will get you far regardless of other factors. Too little talent though, and your possibilities are limited no matter what you do. Effort is basically the work you put into your craft. Only a very small part of this quality's importance has to do with the effort expended during the actual performance or competition. Most of the payoff for effort comes during practice and preparation, which is the vast majority of time that one spends on their craft. As they say, amateurs practice until they get it right, professionals practice until they never get it wrong. Thirdly is desire, and it is the most intangible of the three. While talent is basically something innate and unchanging, and effort is cumulative and measurable, desire can fluctuate day to day, and be wildly different from person to person. While a strong desire to succeed is held in common among successful competitors, the reason that inspire that desire are legion, and are rarely singular. In Rayview Starlight, a lot of the story and the competitions in the underground auditions center on the disparate reasons the girls each have for wanting to reach for top star. Sometimes making a desire more or less attainable makes a difference. Sometimes a simple reassessment of their desire will affect a change in them. There is a fourth quality as well, which is confidence. It really goes in the middle here, as one's confidence arises from one or two or all of the other three qualities. Confidence might be worth exploring at a later date. Um, it does have a bearing, but since it comes from these other qualities, they will be the ones under discussion today. So let's look at some of our girls and where they stack up, especially before the ray views that were particularly important to them. This is the starting position for our girls, the before stage. <laughs> stage. It is helpful to think of the girls in pairs for this as well, even overlapping pairs. 
you will notice that each girl has a different problem from the other in her pairing. Starting off, we have Juna, who is the perfect example of someone for whom desire and effort are very high. She is driven to constant improvement, both of herself and of their class's performance. This will probably bring her into conflict with the other half of her pair, Banana, but it looks like we'll have to wait another week for more development on that front. What Juna helps illustrate, though, is that desire and effort are not enough. Like I said, talent enforces both a floor and a ceiling on one's success. Someone talented enough can still win the day despite weaker desire or effort. Kaoruko has the natural talent and cumulative effort from years of practice, but she doesn't want it badly enough to work for it, which informs her current effort. Even the Class B girls call her out on this, which is quite the indictment. Meanwhile, Futaba is not as naturally gifted, and so even getting into Seisho in the first place was a result of great effort. Her original desire was to support Kaoruko and see her succeed, but since Kaoruko is coasting on her talent and existing effort, this desire seems unlikely to be fulfilled. This causes Futaba to begin working towards some success of her own, forming an overlapping pair with Claudine, which I will discuss in a moment. Mahiru is a bit harder to quantify as far as her effort and talent are concerned. She was gifted enough in her youth to naturally end up at Seisho, and she doesn't seem to be an outlier in how much or how little effort she puts in. She had crafted a purpose out of looking after Karin, and wanted to stand on stage with her. But if Karin doesn't want that just as badly, then that creates a real ceiling for Mahiru's chances. Hikari's transfer brings the problem with Mahiru's desire to the forefront. Now, the pair that stands above all the rest largely do so because they are strong in all three areas. Maya and Claudine are both exceptionally talented, and both are driven to seize the title of top star. In terms of effort, we don't ever see Maya putting in extra work, but we know she is a result of lifelong practice. Likely, her effort occurs offstage, as the creators have intentionally kept her a bit inscrutable to emphasize the mythical nature of her abilities. Claudine, though, we constantly see putting in the effort. After hours practice, studying books on dance, studying her own rival's actions, and trying to outdo Maya at every practice. She actually is very similar to Kaoruko, it seems, based on her conversation with Futaba in Episode 3. She was a child prodigy who likely received a lot of praise and attention and believed herself superlative. When she gets to Seisho, though, and is not automatically the best, it just spurns her to work harder. I think it's no accident that Futaba and Claudine come together to be friends and to practice together. Claudine is what Futaba wishes Kaoruko would be. Finally, Hikari and Karin also form a pair, and also started with some deficiency. While Hikari is still a little unknown, we know that she has talent and has put in the effort. However, there is some indication at the beginning that she does not have a strong desire. Maya notices this in her eyes and comments on it later on. Karin actually figures into this twice. We can assume because of the success she's had that she has some real talent. However, she is weak on both desire and effort at the show's beginning. She changes both of these qualities at different points though, so let us switch to talking about the after stage for these girls, starting with Karin. When Hikari shows back up in Karin's life, it awakens a dormant desire in her, and this is what drives her to intervene in the first audition and ultimately join the underground review. However, this is not enough by itself. The desire is real, but it doesn't seem possible with the state of things between her and Hikari. This is similar to the problem that Futaba and Mahiro face with their desires. 
They are dependent on someone else, and that someone else is making the desire unreachable. Once Karin and Hikari join their fates together, though, Karin's desire becomes attainable. It's only after this that Karin's change in desire also translates into a change in effort, as suddenly she's the first in and last out in their practices. Though we don't have insight into Hikari just yet, we might can assume that her desire problem is fixed at the same time that Karin's effort problem is fixed. Both are probably strong in all three areas now, which makes them capable of rivaling Maya and Claudine. Mahru had to face the problem with her own driving desire. Wanting to fight for it is what prompts her into the auditions and the showdown with Karin. Losing, and the manner of her loss, mean that she needs to reevaluate the desire portion of her triangle. Karin helps her with this. Seeing the group delighting in the gift of her potatoes helps her with this. Even her younger self helps her with this. She finds a desire that is attainable and yet still matters to her. Now she has the potential to be strong in all areas. Juna is not so lucky as these three, as her problem was never desire or effort. Rather, she seems to simply be pushing against her own limits, both in terms of talent and physical stamina. Losing to Karin likely makes this abundantly clear. In fact, it's exactly because it is Karin, who lacks in exactly the areas where Juna is strong, that should make her limitations unmistakable. However, she does not bow out. We see her still competing and striving later on, even triumphing over someone with presumably more talent. She, too, likely must adjust her desire and goal to be commiserate to her talent level. Then there are the two from our most recent episode, Kairuko and Futaba. These two are both a pair and opposites, and so are appropriately given a little tiger and dragon visual symbolism. Much like Hikari and Karan, having desires out of sync affects them both. While Futaba has begun fighting for her own place among the top, she still really wants to see Karuko be the best she can. The idea of being surpassed by Futaba shakes Karuka up, especially when Futaba shows a desire that isn't dependent on her. When Futaba stops her from simply giving up on their fight and her path to the top, Karuko regains her desire to see how bright she can shine. Seeing that Karuko has renewed purpose is enough to bring back Futaba's desire to support her and see her go back to the forefront. The path to position zero is open once again. Finally, I just want to point out our various groupings and how they have been represented before and after these watershed moments. It's especially evident in the changing domestic situations in the girls' dorms. When Hikari shows up, she elects to be in a room apart, Karan expects her to live with her, and Mahiru opposes Hikari coming between them. After Karan throws her hat into the auditions, Hikari comes to join them in their room. Mahiru still opposes this arrangement initially. However, after her fight with Karan and her change in desire, her perspective shifts. Mahiru had looked after Karan in a variety of domestic matters, and now she is looking after Hikari as well, seemingly accepting that the two of them are entwined. These three are a type of unit now, with two overlapping pairs. Likewise, Futaba and Karuko are initially roommates, but during the height of their confrontation, Futaba moves into Claudine's room. Futaba and Claudine form a type of pair, but it is not as strong as Futaba and Karuko can be. And so there is no second bed or other indications of a permanent roommate situation with Claudine. They also stop riding the motorcycle to school together, literally and figuratively taking different paths. 
Kairuko actually escalates the domestic separation even further by not just moving out of their room, but out of the school itself, even if she probably never meant to go through with it. After they make their peace, however, they go right back to being roommates. Now, this isn't indicative of just returning to their original state, but is a reconfirmation of their pairing. After all, Kairuko said that if she won their battle, then they would both go back to Kyoto. Instead, they are both still at Saisho, and Karuko indicates a shift in desire and effort by being awake and ready first. She's even already wearing the motorcycle helmet, indicating that they will go back to sharing the same path. Now, Juna and Banana share a room and are a type of pair as well, but as we haven't gotten to peek inside Banana very much, we can't extrapolate uh, too far. My speculate last video about them clashing over Juna's constant wish for improvement and Banana's nostalgia still seems like it could play out, so we will hold on that. If our pattern holds though, Banana's problem won't be talent related since her roommate's is. Lastly, in the sixth episode, we get to see that Maya and Claudine actually both live alone. They are a pair in the sense of being the only two who start out strong in all three qualities, but they are rivals through and through more frenemies than a real pair. However, they still form a bit of a grouping by being the only ones who have no roommates. They are still more alike than different. Now, in conclusion, I know we haven't finished our tour of the girls' inner struggles and starting positions yet, so I can't make a normal final argument here. Um, what I do want to point out is how Karin's desire is becoming increasingly attractive to the girls who have gone through a change in their own desire or effort. Judah accepts that her talent imposes a limitation on her, that no amount of hard work can close the gap so long as those ahead of her also work hard. She may be unable to win outright no matter what. And so embracing Karin's idea of all of them standing on stage together starts to have a nice ring to it. Mahuru's desire changes from supporting Karin only to supporting everyone. It's a natural progression from there to want to see them all succeed as well. And then, Karuko and Futaba have rejoined their own paths together. They don't want to compete against each other for a spot at the top. Some way to both arrive there is most palatable. Karin's desire to overturn the normal winner-takes-all will likely prove agreeable to them as well. The other girls are not in this place yet. Our original top three are still going to go through some things, I suspect. However, well, a certain pattern suggests itself. We'll keep tabs on where it goes, especially in our next couple of episodes. Title music by Russell J. Crowe, other music licensed from the artists at Audio Jungle. Script, performance, and editing by Theta. Theta is played by Redacted. Original video can be found at youtube.com slash C slash Nearly on Red. And a full list of credits is available at nearlyonred.com. Until next time, thanks for everything.